back, guys, for another Wednesday special. Wednesday special. Yeah. On uh, on Friday, we're going to talk about global uh, supply chain and uh, and why we need we think we need to be prepared for uh, for what's coming up, especially when it comes to our own food supply. How yep. to take care of our own family and our loved ones. I was uh, born uh, into a family that was very. You know, my dad moved a lot because we were in the military. Yep. And when you move that much, you always see kind of what, you know, what what's in the house, what's moving. And uh, I remember just at a young age, just uh, my dad packing some stuff up in this. Uh, I, I th- honestly, th- I think it was like when we lived in Manitoba and I was just like, why are we moving all this? And he's just like, well, it's, you know, you got to have this stuff just in case. Right. And then, you know, going into Boy Scouts, the whole be prepared thing, you know, and then just everything going on right now you question i mean when china literally tells the citizens hey there's going to be a shortage of food (laughs) do something about it i mean how did that not raise flags like internationally immediately i mean the only people that really tune into that stuff yeah it's alarming and i'm alarmed by it like the the egos of the united states wouldn't allow it plus like (laughs) plus country that's literally giving you all of your finished goods (laughs) is saying there's going to be supply issues well the funny thing is is like if their egos actually were were to like strike enough, it would be cool. Be like maybe they could actually fix it in time because it's not like there's going to be a supply issue. It's a supply chain issue, yeah. right? Like the food is there. The, well, hold they, on, because it becomes a supply issue because a lot of the things that are being shipped are perishable. So yeah, so it becomes a supply issue because the chain is broken, and so you're not supplying enough to the end destination, but yeah. you're still supplying the market enough. It's just not distributing it effectively enough. Yeah. So I mean, you so also have that, to look at the other side of the coin too. It's not just the supply chain. I mean, we talked about that a lot on Friday. It's also the workers in the fucking supply chains. Yeah. You know, we're having what's co- being called the mass exodus in the United States right now, which I think in a lot of ways is warranted. I think we need to go back to a more unionized work force that protects yeah. its worker and pays it a fucking living wage. Because, you know, we talk a lot about boomers uh, on Friday and they'll always say, oh, it was hard for me. I was making $4 an hour and I had to walk to work and back, you know, and it was uphill both ways. And I packed my lunch and, and I ate it in the dusty, you know, <laughs> fucking mine. But, you know, $4 an hour back then translates to with inflation, $20 an hour now, motherfucker. Yeah. <clears throat> so a, this isn't. I don't make that. Yeah. Well, and also the problem, too, is that the there's a so. Do you guys know how they they evaluate what uh, what a livable wage is? So yeah. the problem is we've incorporated credit into our living wage nowadays. We allow people to go into massive debt over you know, astronomical time frames to get standards that should be available at a much cheaper price. Well, and that are necessities to play in the system. That's such the, as that's, cars. That's the important thing is that so when they're talking about livable wage and why why that will act so you didn't have to pay for internet back in the forties. Well, that's that's the huge thing is the the stuff that goes into the basket. So yeah. the basket of what products are evaluated. So like. Um, a liter of milk, uh, um, a loaf of bread. They have certain consistencies sure. that they measure over time to yeah. ensure what their inflationary but rate is going to be. Say, take but into that's account the thing is new things the that other are technologies needed. you need to pay to for to yeah. play in the same system to get said bread. Exactly. And not to mention the fact that the system benefits off of those new technologies. Oh, we don't for actually, sure. Like, especially like you look at the car world 
uh, you could work 12 hour days, but you couldn't work longer than the business was open. Now the business is open 24 seven. You like when I was working in sales, like we had shifts from one to 5 AM to be on the, the auto, the online response Fuck off. Really? Yeah. Because we had two to, we had to less. respond within two minutes. And so like we, we were, you had to, because we had to respond to their online fucking queries about like, oh, it's two forty in the morning. And I need to have a question about this 2007 Saturn view. I'm like, oh, cool. You fucking loser. Like, I, but, but this is the, but How high ba- basically, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So God, I mean, if you're looking for a Saturn, I think you're, you're right? pretty low, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I think that what, what's it, Yeah. I mean, it, it's. The technology benefits the system. It benefits the the capitalists. It benefits the businesses, the corporations. And so we we also have to t- take into consideration that why they should be paying us more um, isn't just because we need those tools, but we need those tools for them to appease them, right? Yeah. They want us to have those tools. And so we have to have a cell phone, which is an insane monthly expense in Canada, Yeah, right? And... We actually have to have text messaging plans because they're going to want to message us and you're going to have to have internet plans on your cell phone. It, like you couldn't actually just have a flip phone with a lot of jobs, right? That's because why it's not I, access to an email. The day you see me with a flip phone. It's the day you've opted out. Yeah. Yeah. You'll totally. be like, I'll be like, yep, this is, uh, this is it. This is it. I'm out. Yeah, see, I was telling you guys <laughs> off air. I was like, I couldn't decide. I feel like my next my next move, like I'm always trying to learn things to see behind the curtain and, and to to basically stack skills to, you know, to be better. And I'm looking at two things. I'm looking at coding. That's that's if I decide to take on the system. Yeah. And then the other is botany. If I decide to opt out. Yeah. Because I do feel like I want to start keeping my own produce because just of, of looking how the how much waste there is. We waste but in Canada isn't, one isn't third botany of our food. just biological coding. I mean, yeah, like if you can learn Ooh. both, that would be amazing. Right? It's like that picture. But I'm not saying I'm not going to learn both. I'm still re- relatively oh, 100%. young. hundred percent. Yeah, right? you know, you got to, you got to, you got to, yeah. The coding we, we terrifies me. 10 years. I'm <laughs> not going to lie. Like co- coding, coding terrifies me. Uh, you know, like, it's, it's actually, I think you'd like it because it's very logical. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, I think, I think you'd hyper obsess about it a, a bit. I think that would be the problem and, is yeah, that I know it, once I go into it, I'm, I'm Once in you it. learn the language, you're just like, wow, this is like hyper efficient, logical shit. And yeah. the, the stuff you can do with coding, like, if, like, for example, if you're ever in a website that wants you to, uh, you know, basically subscribe in order to use it, like, you know, news websites tend to do, yeah. you can go right into the coding generally, press F12, and if you delete the highlighted parts, they're usually in a different color, either blue or purple, uh, you delete those out of the code, next page. Oh, interesting. Boom, just like that. There's your free uh, New York Times. I'm going to try that on The Athletic later today. 100%. I like, I like yeah, no, you can, uh, you can do a lot with code. And I, I, I know very, very little. Fair uh, enough. Very, very little compared to some of my friends. Like, I've got a buddy named Phil. Uh, I haven't talked to him in quite a while. He, uh, I think, went to Saskatchewan or whatever. But he was, you know, I, I thought really, you know, talented in that. And uh it, it it opens up a lot of doors that you don't even see are there. That's the cool thing about coding. Yeah, because like, that's that's one of the interesting things is that it's being done everywhere at all times yeah. for every industry, and yeah. so like the, its value is almost immeasurable. Well, it's like, also there's a lot of gray area when it comes to what you can get away with too. Well, yeah, because most of the I mean, as as someone who sat in a room with lawmakers, they don't know what the 
fuck is exactly. going on in that world? Exactly. And so they can't regulate it. No. Right? Uh, like, literally, there's uh, these patent pirates, they call them, yeah. that go into coding and then patent a certain part that's literally used in every fucking type of code ever written. But the fact is, there has never been a patent, uh, so they can legally claim it. And then sue all these other companies or apps or and literally then they just need to have a, like a, a mildly competent lawyer on their side yeah. against one that just wouldn't understand. This what's costs happening. the system billions, if not trillions, a year. Yeah, and does absolutely nothing for the system. See, that's the thing that like attracts me to it is yeah. that there's a huge inefficiency there. Like the reason I looked at uh, uh, business first and then. Uh, like psychology to understand how people think and then law I was like like I feel like it was a very logical order of me investigating how people think yeah right like, well actually I started in psychology then I went to business I went how do people think how do I manipulate that how does this the system manipulate that and now I'm like how do I manipulate it mm-hmm. <laughs> so like more on the individual but I do think yeah. like what why why I find it interesting and and why I think botany is going to be the way that I'm I'm more likely to look is just because of of issues like we're we're talking about on Friday which is we're going to start seeing a breakdown in how how our food lands on our table and how we can get food into our house and we're going to likely have uh hopefully a short window where we're going to be very reliant on you know freeze dried and canned goods and if you don't have a deep freeze and have the capability of getting one, I, I strongly recommend it. But the stats coming out of, of the uh, Canada's food bank system should be quite alarming. I, I mentioned them on Friday, but one in five Canadians currently are are struggling to find food. Uh, it's, and it's not just it's not just <clears throat> food we need to worry about, though. No, That's, this is the problem. By the time you need to worry, most people won't have enough, and the first thing they'll go for is the food. Absolutely, because that's you, without food for three days, your, your body basically starts to shut down. I mean, some people like myself could probably go a little longer because I got some storage, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you're all about the storage, the, the problem with what happens is when that scarcity occurs, the first thing people are going to do is panic yeah. and they're going to do two things. They're going to withdraw cash, which will quickly become unavailable. Uh, or they're going to withdraw food with said cash. Yeah. Because it'll come to a point where businesses will start to realize, okay, there's people ripping us off with debit credit and these electrical forms of payment. Because when you got to look at the opportunist, like the guy that's a thief, he's going to look and say, okay, how can I get around paying for these goods that are going to be worth more? Because then they're going to have a stockpile of food they got for free, and food's going to be worth everything. So you got to look at the vulnerability of the system. So the system itself will only work on a cash basis. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't really expect businesses in a situation where food is so scarce to accept forms of electrical payment. Yeah. I mean, there there is still standards and facilities and checks and balances behind those. And maybe in a situation where, you know, that doesn't happen, yeah, they'll still accept electric payments. Fantastic. But have some cash on hand. Yeah, that 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 won't hurt. Well, the idea of being liquid is a <laughs> is a good thing, right? Yeah. Like, and and I mean that in also in your food sense, like, like you you think you might be liquid because you you have money in the bank, and you think you might be uh you might be fine food wise because you have a grocery store near yeah. you, but. But those, those two things involve are other still, things, yeah, yeah, and they're also businesses that are profit driven, mm. and so. And there's also a lot that goes behind the scene, especially in the banking world, when it comes to how how much uh, your money is actually leveraged by the bank, because they of, they oftentimes invest significantly upwards of sevenfold of what they actually have. Imagine if you could do that. 
Oh, you know, you stack ten grand at right. home, and then you go say, "Hey, I'm going to go buy seventy thousand dollars worth of things, yeah. and I'm just going to let the things figure it out. I'm well, not yeah. even going to try <laughs> to pay it back." Well, you know? it's it's almost <laughs> it's like ridiculous. That's, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's it, it, at a point you have to kind of look at it and say, "This this entire fiat system is backed by nothing." You know, it, it, it's backed by uh, an economy that's thoughts and opinions and feelings now. Well, it's the debt. It, it, yeah, that's exactly what it is. We don't have the gold standard. It's the debt standard. And the, the fact of the matter, when we print money on a debt standard, the money becomes less valuable. Well, and just, just so people are aware, like how the debt standard works and why the tax the rich thing is such an important movement and why the people on the other side of it just seem to fundamentally miss what's going on is that Elon Musk, when you look at what his valuation is, he does not have that money. That money mm-hmm. is not in a bank somewhere. That's not, some, that's not something he physically has. Right. That is the collection of the world's IOUs to him. Yeah. That is what is being evaluated. So when we talk about taxes, what we're talking about is actually comparing and contrasting the IOUs the world owes to him versus based off of how we have legislated the IOUs he owes to us. This is not something that's that's flawed. We're not actually physically taking money. We're, there's no money in the bank on either side, right? Yeah. We're not gaining anything on that side either. It's a, it's just a digital transfer that nobody actually feels. Yeah. But we need to actually realize that this concept of physical cash, there's no Scrooge McDuck diving into a fucking po- a pool of money. <laughs> oh, that, right? Hold this, on. Because that doesn't exist. In, in, in the fact, in the clean market, you're absolutely right. In the black market, however... There, yeah. there for sure is because cash is still one of the only ways for black market enterprises to essentially transact. Yep. And for the longest time, that was the case. <laughs> Nowadays, it's a lot more Bitcoin. Yeah. And I think that's really inflated its value, unfortunately. But you also yep. got to consider the other ramifications of this is if there is no standard for how to spend money, like, if, for example, the first thing that's going to happen if this supply chain issue gets worse is the food, and you're absolutely correct. And when a large population can't get fed, uh, a lot of the population won't go to work. So when that happens, you have no services. You have no health care. You have no garbage men. You have no people stocking shelves. You have no policemen. You have no military. Which further reduces the food supply, by the way. Which a lot absolutely of the further reduces the food supply. And when you look at the other things that, you know, will stop existing, like healthcare, big one, um, how are you going to, you know, prevent even the smallest cut can give you gangrene? Yeah. So other than cash and a little bit of food, I'd probably recommend having a few first aid kits on hand just to be safe. Yeah. Great thing to have. Fire extinguishers, first aid kits. Yeah. Have a few of those in the house. And every time I go over to someone's house and, you know, I, I, I don't I don't mentally do this. It's just something I do subconsciously. I always look around, you know. Yep. If I don't see a first aid kit or a fire you know, extinguisher, I always bring it up. I'm like, hey, like, you just, you just think you're going to... Just you just think everything's gonna be fine all the time, huh? Okay. That's just, that's... I got tons of first aid kits. I, <laughs> so, I, I don't. I don't a have a fire think, extinguisher. You know, but, yeah. like, what, what if you slash yourself open with a fucking knife in the kitchen? You're home alone. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Like, a lot of people don't think that way, but like, it's it, this is why I like having conversations with you. Is we go to that dark place sometimes to try to plan for it yeah. because we have that solace in having that plan. You yeah. know, and well, I, I think it, it's also it's a. I mean, I I don't. I don't often do it consciously either. Like my brain just naturally wants to go and evaluate it and see 
like basically it's like oh should is this fear worth worth exploring yeah and so it goes to that the worst possible conclusion and then walks backwards which is why i find myself like with with people who don't think like that so often having to explain my thoughts because if i if i just explain my conclusion people are like what the fuck like the, I get, I get so many <laughs> too, wide man. eyes, yes. Me too. right? I've been there. And, and it's like, I have to go, okay, well, this is where I think the extreme possibility was. Yeah. And I don't think that's, that's logical or plausible based off of this scenario here. Yeah. And therefore I think that the most plausible approach is this, right? And so one of the ones that, that constantly comes up with me is the, this, uh, cause I've, I've brought it up in the past about like violent insurrections and I am a nonviolent person in my core, but I, cu- I come to that conclusion from a position of where I think it's most, most likely to create, to have the highest probability to create the outcome we're looking for. It's not what I want. Mm. It's, it's what I think is the most likely to be impactful based off of just evaluating the circumstances. For example, Rich don't want to pay taxes, right? But we do know that policing, right, and and protection in general is going to be a tax that's going to be paid. So let's assume, for for instance, that all of the people stop paying taxes. They're going to pay at least a bare minimum for this policing. So then mm-hmm. all we have to know is that how many of us have to directly start attacking them for them to increase their spending above what they were already paying to defend against the people. So what I'm saying is how many... How many salaries are they going to have to pay for frontline defenders against the population of 38 million Canadians? Mm-hmm. How how many salaries will they have to pay if we all start attacking them one it's, by one? It'll collapse. And, and not only will it collapse, they'll end up paying more on an individual level to maintain their system. Because money's not going to be worth anything. So this is why... Why I what I call credible threat-based vigilantism. Yeah. And I've been thinking about how to term this, but you have to have the ability to carry out your threats with no desire to carry out your threats. They're all conditional, hmm. meaning that the powerful will balk the first <sighs> few times. Yeah. So you have to take the shot. Yeah. But then after that, you go, look, we've given you the chance. Now listen. If you don't listen, this is what happens. The next one drops, right? Hmm. And we're going to keep popping you off until we get down to the bottom and, you go, and we start playing ball. But we're not gonna we're not gonna come to the table anymore. Like this is the, a, a a people's version of a union walkout, right? Yeah. We're walking out of the system. Yeah. And we're gonna say we're gonna take you out until you play ball. You know, and it's not that expensive nope. if you think about it. If you wanted to be entirely <laughs> self sufficient, you could do it quite simply. And a lot of people don't really think that's possible. They have to pay to play. They have to pay in this system. They have to play in this system. You don't. Yep. You really don't. I yep. mean, it takes a little bit of startup capital. You have to play for a little bit. But the people that get hooked for life, it, it, I'm questioning it now. You know, I, I look at this and I start saying, okay, well, what if I do another 30 years in this job where I literally have no time for anything? Yeah. Or I'm at a business 60 hours a week where I'm making decisions that impact million dollars per annum. Yeah. But I'm making a fraction of that million dollars. Yeah. A small fraction. And, you know, I, I understand, you know, it's, it, that's how it works. I didn't make the investment to buy the business. I'm an employee at the business. Yeah. I have a function. I'm a piece of machinery, essentially. Yeah. Okay? But the problem is, with all these extra expenses that we have incurred, with all this extra technology and luxury, yeah. we now have to play to play longer. 
and they're taking more and more away. Yeah. It used to be you get a degree, you'd get a job with a pension, benefits, the works. Yep. And if you go back further than that, only one person in the household. Yeah. And that wasn't too far away. How is it that in two generations, we've gone from one person supporting an entire family to now two, three, sometimes the entire family having to work. Sometimes an entire building of people working just to pay rent and have, you know, a little bit of entertainment and fun. Yep. Yeah. And the other side of the coin, the coin, I think, is when you look at this and you say, what are we really paying for? What is this connection giving us? Well, when you realize that the standard is debt, right? Then what you realize is that your money is only is only worth paying off your own personal debt. That's above, crazy. Above and beyond that, yeah. it's actually only worth as much as you can avoid going into debt, yeah. right? If you can... So, so the, the amount thing, of money I mean, that's useful... So they, they, they've done studies in the States, for example, if you make over 80... If you make $80,000 a year... Um, in in the average the average U.S. household, whatever this is, yeah. Uh, uh, they they say that time off, well, that no amount of money will produce increased happiness because you've you you can maximize within your domain. But you also have to consider uh, that at a yearly basis. How many years do you want to work at sixty? Well, grand? no, a hundred percent, right? right? And, like, and I, so, I'd rather work at one hundred and twenty. Right, and then have five more years of freedom. But that's actually not how it works. But like, I know, and because, that's why I'm complaining. No, no, no. Well, yeah, but no. I mean, like, <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, even if you were to do that, because of the the consumption uh, side of the the system, you you would be incentivized far too greatly to do otherwise, right? Like, the the funny thing is watching promotions within industries that lack education like the car industry for example because like one of the first thing uh, things that happens when you see a floor sales guy when he gets promoted to a sales manager is he fucking gets a better car like one of the dumbest things you could do and and you know it because you're in the industry and you still go hey why don't i sink my money into a fucking pit of hell no and that's exactly that's a huge issue with a lot of car guys you know they they uh they have a good month and they'll buy ass they won't buy assets yeah yeah. They'll buy liability. But most people don't understand like, the difference between the two. Y- yeah, but th- that's that's the problem because we're in a debt society. You're literally brought up, have the shiny new car, have yeah. the nice fridge that's got the fucking foot warmer in it. Just don't use it with the toaster. <laughs> the fridge with I, the foot warmer? I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like All these fucking options nowadays, I'd be shocked if it didn't exist. Yeah. You know, like a smartphone, you know, like the... T- they have they have a fucking smartphone uh, that attaches to your fridge that'll keep an inventory of your fridge to tell you what's in your fridge so you don't have to open your fridge. Yeah. Why don't you just awesome. open your fridge? Yeah. Why, why don't you just look? Yeah, well, it's wasteful. The energy, you got to turn the light on when the fridge opens. How much was that fucking tablet? <laughs> How many Africans had to die from the minerals in there, sir? I ask you this. I just don't get it. I, I, yeah. I, I understand luxury. I understand having the nice things, the best things, the convenience. But at the end of the day, like I was saying before, the more convenience you take, it's a good thing till your convenience now depends on someone else. Not only that, That's now depends on someone else's lines. inconvenience. That's exactly it. Right? Like, like, if like I you... have to go to a bank to get the money that I've made... That's an inconvenience. Yeah. And that's why most people have gone digital. Oh, it's in your wallet. No. 
<laughs> What's in your wallet is your credit card. You rack that up and then you pay that off with the money that you make at the end of the month and pray you didn't spend too much because you're not an accountant. You don't have a fucking good clue of what's well, going on I'm, every I'm day. I'm actually in this right now, too. My it's favorite upsetting. part is the fucking the fact that everything digital in the world is instantaneous except for bank transfers. Like, <laughs> like I'm currently I've been trying to pay off my credit card, which I have the money sitting in my account. It says I have the money sitting in yep. my account. But it, what it says is actual funds and available funds. My available funds is not enough to pay off my credit card, which is due today. And so I have the money. I don't have the money. No. Uh, so you're just sitting there <laughs> and you're not going to give me my money so that you can charge me a fee for not having the money that you wouldn't give me that I already have that's mine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hate I hate it. I hate, I hate it too, it. man. I hate it so much. Uh, you know, honestly, uh, what happened with me the other day? I was I was partying here, as you guys know. Uh, I, I I was going to order pizza, but every every day I lock my card. Yeah. You know, if I'm not using it, I go on my app, I lock it. You know, because that'll stop me from making dumb purchases. Sometimes on Amazon, I'll pull it open, have that impulse, and I'll be like, "Dude," I'll be like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> yeah. Now I have to unlock my card. It's that extra step. Yeah. So it helps me in that regard with my impulsivity a bit. Uh, but also, uh, when I was traveling, you get people that go up to your wallet and literally try to tap it with a Bluetooth reader or whatever, yeah, yeah. and they'll charge only your 50 card. Bucks on eBay, five hundred for me in Toronto Pearson Airport took them three months to get it off my card really? so you're damn right I locked that fucking thing if I'm not using it oh yeah and it was a nightmare but anyway that was a whole nother a whole nother thing uh, um, Capital One I get the messages to my watch the, uh, every transaction that goes through and yeah, they respond yeah. within 40 minutes of any weird transactions like they physically call me yeah they're really really fucking good no that's yeah good. and that's, yeah, that's, that's what that's it good, should man. be but with RBC I go to order pizza <laughs> yeah, I go RBC. to unlock my card and they're fucking apps down so I'm oh. like oh I can't unlock my card so I literally can't use the fucking card so I can't order anything I can't do anything right yeah and like when you put me in a corner I I, I explode okay I, I don't I'm just saying oh that's that is what it is I'm just fucking mad also there's some other shit so might add to the rage I don't know um <laughs> so I call RVC and I'm like okay uh put me on hold for 30 minutes finally get through to somebody and I politely say please unlock my card and they're like, oh, uh, well, our system's down, so uh, we can't unlock it on our end. I was like, how, how does that make sense? The app <laughs> is down. You guys are the bank. I locked my card with the bank. I unlocked my card. And they're like, well, you're going to have to call back in half an hour because we can't help you now. And I said, no, this isn't how it works. Unlock my card. <laughs> right. Yeah. So now I'm thinking, you know, I spend almost $200 a, a year, you know, keeping that card. I'm going to the bank, and if they don't refund that $200 for the services, of the convenience of the card, I pay that two hundred dollars. Yeah, it, those conveniences didn't work. Refund that money, or I will pay off the card. You know, I'll never see me again. That and would the, be interesting. The, the fucking funny thing is, man, that's not customer service, oh. and that that is something that's just disappeared in this corporate world now. Like yeah. Before well, it would have been, oh, you know what? How about we email you a, a gift card? Where were you going to go? Oh, we'll, we'll email that to you, and then we can charge your card later. Like a solution was there. Yep. And no attempt at making a solution was made at all. It was call back in half an hour. Sucks to be you. It would be interesting if you were in an emergency because you could actually sue them for theft of opportunity. That's what I. That's that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. So, Whoa. so there's like yeah. They. I mean, I, I don't know that you'd be successful. You can sue for fucking whatever you want. But, Fair enough. But, but 
it would be interesting to at least play that that game because there there's enough uh, strings there for a, a competent lawyer to pull on. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it would probably be small enough money, that my guess is the bank would just settle out of court. Yeah, right, because they wouldn't want to fucking deal with it. They don't want the they don't want the headlines or the headache, right? Yeah. Let alone just just retaining a lawyer is going to cost them a minimum of five G's because it's corporate, probably closer to twelve. Yeah. And so, like, if you're if you're suing them for three G's, they'll probably just be like. We'll give you fifteen hundred. Fuck off. And like, honestly, like the corporate, the <laughs> like, corporate please. lawyer, the corporate lawyer would be like, uh, it, it would be hard for them to disagree with that because I, 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 it's not that I'm just trying to say, oh, give me free money. It's I paying for a service that I'm not getting. Yeah, but they would of probably they very likely in their terms of agreement have some sort of thing where they say they we actually don't guarantee anything. Blackouts occur and we're not responsible for any of that. Sure, or, or but there was other solutions. Or that's operated third party company that <laughs> operates our app and we're not responsible for them. But uh, yeah. but we prevent them from data sharing. Well, or yeah, hundred percent. Right, so. like they they, they always they will always have the legal advantage which oh for is sure why, because they can pass the I, buck well, and, and exactly. that's the problem with the world you, you, there's no one that wants to take the problems and make solutions well it's oh that guy over there is his fuck up and then you go there it's like oh hold on it's china well everybody everybody <laughs> understands china. everybody in canada understands the issue with the pay-to-play system in healthcare, but um it's so fundamentally interesting to see how how ignorant people are to to how big a problem that is when it comes to the the flip side of the pay-to-play system for the legal system yeah because if you have to pay to play it literally means you need money in order to have rights mm-hmm. right because you don't have anything unless you can enforce it right that's that's just the fundamental basis of 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 ownership of anything is you can't own something without the ability to enforce that ownership right mm-hmm. so if you can't own you can't own any rights without the ability to enforce it so if you have no money you have no rights hmm. that's that's how it works and that's that's the issue that people are starting to realize and it's a fucking huge one mm-hmm. right because if you have a lot of money you have basically zero responsibilities so like we were talking about technology technological ignorance of lawmakers like netflix bribed the canadian government 500 million dollars in 2016 to not tax them and they took it when they had every legal avenue, including a court case against Google, that showed that they could take <coughs> jurisdiction and tax them. And in that same five years, they would have made $827 million. So they basically gave Netflix $327 million for them to not have to look into something because they're stupid. Right? Hmm. Or they're corrupt. That's It's that. I mean... I think it's... I think it's a combination of lazy, stupid, and corrupt. A little bit of A, a little bit of B. It's has got to be. It's a fucking shit salad is what it is. Yeah. No, you're right, man. But it's... So, I mean, we've, we've kind of talked around on a lot of things. There's a lot of broken and fractured parts. But one of the things we wanted to touch on and, and what we should, will turn our focus on is preparing yourself just in general. Like, we've talked about why you need to be prepared. But I think that... Stat, like the 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 dry goods the canned goods that's a big thing but for people who have excess because i do think that like we've been talking to boomers and i'm not talking about the people who are making a quarter million plus although those people definitely if you're listening my god please help mm-hmm. but yeah. but we're talking comfortably like you can order from skip the dishes three four days a week and it doesn't matter to you like it, it's yeah. not a second thought yeah for those people did you know that like Ten dollars to the food bank buys the food bank equivalent of twenty-five to thirty dollars, right? They but they get between two to three dollars per dollar that gets donated. Don't give them your fucking pinto beans. The people that get that might not have a can opener. 
Give them the money because we need the products. We need they need produce. They need meat. They need actual food, not your your throwaway shit of pickled fucking broccoli stems, yeah. right? Which is what ends up happening so often. So we're going into a winter where twenty percent of our brothers and sisters, twenty percent of our family members in Canada are are going to be facing food shortages, and. For people who have just a little bit more, again, no, donating food isn't enough. You gotta do. You gotta put your money there and allow the those those groups, those organizations that are hyper efficient, that they make sure every penny gets stretched beyond its uh, uh, beyond belief. When we're talking about efficiency, fuck me, our food banks good. Really? Like, yeah. like they they stretch dollars so far. They feed so many people, and they constantly. Uh, are able to weather the storm because of the donations of people but we're about to see another huge storm and we have to be able to uh we have to survive this and we have to look out for each other and i think that the onus is going to come on the people who have a little more like i don't have a lot to give but when i have the chance i will like i'm i'm reeling right now after the dog bills but uh fuck man yeah, yeah no, it's... it's hard but it's one of those things that if we've got the capability, we got to do it, right? Like, yeah. this is the world we're in right now. And the fear side of it, the the people who are saying, like, you know, and, and I know you, you joke about this and, and maybe just tongue-in-cheek a little, but, like, stack your guns and get ready because when, when people get hungry, they're going to come for food. Well, let's, let's make sure it doesn't come to that and that if the people do get hungry... They're not coming for you, for your food, because you were the first person to lend a hand up, mm-hmm. right? But they're going to start looking to who the real people who are not helping when times get tough, mm-hmm. which is their bosses, yeah. which is their former bosses, their former owners, their former friends. These these people that these corporations that they've they've given their their livelihoods to, right? The banks that they've paid their two hundred dollar fees uh, every year, but now they missed one payment by a buck, and all of a sudden now they're going into receivership. Or right? the fact that a renter could literally live rent free in a place that someone's paying to own. The government did all the things for the renters, but the fucking people that are in the middle that don't actually own a house but still owe the fucking bank. Fuck those people. You do a deferral, it shows up on your credit. You got to pay the interest. I think no I, help at all. I think we we like you don't. We don't have to create an us versus them because at the end of the day, the bank won both those battles. That's Just exactly take it right. From the bank. Yeah. Right. It does. It doesn't have to be a renter versus landlord, but uh, if. If that person who has a secondary property is having trouble paying for that secondary property, then the bank gives it to the person living there and all debt is forgiven. Yeah, your investment's gone, but you were losing on that investment and going to lose anyways through the system. At the end of the day, if you have excess right now, like now is not the time for the individual to capitalize right mm-hmm. that's the problem and it's there's going to be a lot of temptation because a lot of individuals will have that ability but we have to weed out the sociopaths we have to get rid of these people like they we can't we cannot survive with them we have to be intolerant of that level of selfishness but the problem is that level of selfishness generally comes armed and unforgiving but they're armed with people who are 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 paid for make that money useless the debt standard only works as long as we're willing to go in debt. In, sure, into debt. but when there's no debt standard, what's money going to be worth? Nothing. And then, do you it's think gonna people be... are going to stop farming because, like, they're not? No, gonna, I don't. I don't like, think people are going to stop farming. I think the gonna... farmers would be in a better situation because they'd have goods. But that, but I think that the beauty of it is, is that as long as they can produce, people have a general 
sense of wanting to help one another for the most part. And so we just have to prevent those that don't, mm-hmm. right? The Elon Musks of the world, like, they they only hold the power of the IOU, make the IOU worthless. We And and I know that sounds pretty, like, much simplified, but... But to make make an IOU worthless is to devalue what it what it what it means to go into debt. So what you do is you erase the downsides of debt for the individual. If we all what would have that our, look like? if we all have the basics taken care of, we no longer have the fear debt no longer controls us because we're no longer going into debt to survive hmm. we go into debt to thrive potentially but we're but that's now a choice hmm. right but the choice is now back in our hands so the more that we have uh the basics the needs of our lives taken care of mm-hmm. the more that debt becomes less of a of uh a force and more of an opportunity a choice and it also then devalues anyone holding IOUs because people can choose to not pay those back. Yeah. Right? Because at the end of the day, if they don't want to play into that system, the system can only enforce itself. Right? And so you're you're always going to need agents within that system that need to be paid off in order to enforce it. So I, I think that there's a trickle-down effect of just having a stand against the very few. Right? Mm-hmm. Um. And I don't know how successful it'll be, but it's it's one of those things that you, I know, just you think can do I'd the rather... little things of helping the food bank, of helping the people <laughs> around you, of of looking in your fridge at things that are about to go bad. You look, you pick something up, and you've got your your skip the dishes in one hand that on your phone, and you're like, oh man, I really want that fucking like a Harvey's poutine. Oh my god, oh, Buff- buffalo spiced the double like, Angus, like the but but. <laughs> but it, but and you look and you go, you know what? I've got leftovers from yesterday that if I don't eat it now, I'm gonna have to throw it out. Fucking eat it! Like just we have to take a little bit of onus on it. Not a lot. I'm not talking about like shifting the entire recycling blame onto the person. Mm-hmm. But it starts with us because if that's how you save money, that's how you personally save money. That's actually every time you eat your leftovers that 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 or you prevent something from getting thrown out. That's savings. That's fifteen to twenty dollars that you just saved. Right? It's true. So. We have to look at it as an opportunity cost, and we have to be a little bit more utilitarian with uh, the necessities in life. Mm-hmm. And I know you jokingly were taking shots at my car uh, approach on on the weekend uh, when we were messaging each other, where uh, you're like, "Fuck, you don't <laughs> you're you're the most utilitarian person ever when it comes to cars." Yeah. Such a stereotypical Mitsubishi guy <laughs> because it's like bare bones, anything but a ten year warranty is all I give a fuck about. That's right. Yeah, it's a good yeah, warranty. And, uh, it's it's yeah. It, it, I think the the world needs to look to be more. Um, efficient in a lot of regards uh and not just to profit you know i think that we've kind of established the fact that what we're talking about probably won't happen though and the system is (laughs) like it's 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 crumbling right now i mean that we have the weight of a pandemic following the weight of a recession uh previous to that you know all this civil strife And, you know, now we have a supply shortage or supply chain issues or microprocessor shortage or whatever the fuck. And I just think that if you're a logical person looking at this, you know, it's not best to be unprepared. I mean, you got to you got to kind of look and say, okay, well, how long would this really take to sort out while we live in a cold climate? How are you going to stay warm? Are you going to leave? How are you going to get there? 
Yeah. Are you going to use a gas-burning vehicle? Yeah. How are you going to get the gas? Do you have it? You got to start asking these questions, play out the scenarios. And a lot of people, when you test them, don't. And you can tell, like, these are the people that they're, they're going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. But also, this is, it's fundamentally important to understand when it comes to... The, and you can the, say how, however much you like that, yeah, we should support these systems. We're not. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. No, what I, I, what I, understand. I was going to say is that, that it's important to understand that in the fragility of our supply chain system that we live in right now, when Evan's saying you need to be prepared, this is not, that does not mean panic. No. Because panic buying further fractures the supply chain. Mm -hmm. Like it further causes issue when people were panic stacking toilet paper because of, I have no, by the way, pointless. Like for one, it's called the bidet. I mean, <clears throat> not or, only that, it also yeah. it skyrocketed the price. All it did was increase the 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 cost of wiping your ass. Yeah, for no reason. There was no reason to believe that that was going to make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. So we we have to. There's a middle ground there on making sure that you're prepared versus like making sure that you're prepared for a nuclear holocaust. So let's make sure we're prepared for two weeks supply. If we have to go to a lockdown, you should always be able to survive two weeks without having to go to a grocery store. Yeah. Right? That's, that's, that's fair. I think that's the bare minimum of, and in Canada, we're probably pretty fortunate we don't have to stockpile water when it yeah. comes to that. Um, Although Amer- it's still smart. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's always I mean, good to have water. In the States, it, it's necessary. It, it really depends. I mean, you're saying don't prepare for an apocalypse of uh, nuclear variety, but if you're already prepping for one, you might as well just, just prep for both, okay? So, well, no, but that's how uh, we fracture the no, supply no, no, chain. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Y- y- little... Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean, okay? Like, if you're buying um, a specific type of canned good, for example, that you're going to stack, you might as well buy one that's sealed, right? Because that way, if there is something that's microbial or radioactive, you're protected against that. It's a small more investment that'll also prevent you from, you know, an entire new situation. And generally when you start prepping and you start thinking that way, you know, you can very easily prepare for a number of situations that are all entirely possible. Well, that's always, that's the, that's the long-term valuation of consumerism, which is like, you came to my house before and the first, like the things that I take pride in are like, my furniture, Lazy Boy. They're going to last for fucking ever because yep. they're, in, they're warrantied to last forever. My dining room table, solid wood, right? Like my anything that I've invested in is going to last a long time. That is the exact same approach that Evan's talking about here is think about not just how it looks or the next, like the, the short-term impact of it. We've got to look a little bit longer yeah. on that side of things and a little bit deeper, yeah. right? You've got to think that just that extra step ahead. So, I mean, if you are in a cold climate, the other the other thing you might want to have ready is multiple pairs of thick clothing, if possible, yep. so that you're not constantly wasting water through wash cycles if power starts skyrocketing in pricing, right? Yep. So there's little things that you can do to mitigate different costs and... and um yeah, I mean, it sucks that this is what we're about to hit. Oh, yeah. I but mean, we have to defend ourselves and we have to be careful. So Interest rates are going to go up. Uh, inflation's already taken off. Those two things are going to go together for quite yeah. a while. Um, and as a result of this, people aren't going to be able to afford to live in their houses. Uh, people aren't going to be able to afford to heat their houses. 
And well, it's, wages should be going up too, no? No, of course no. not. Oh. Why, why would they do that? I mean, that's well, I just mean, silly. Inflation. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's the, going up, right? the interesting thing too. Like whenever you look at wages, like for those of you living in Edmonton, for example, because I was just looking at it, like um, our minimum wage in Canada is $15 an hour or in Alberta is $15 yeah. an hour. I yeah. think it's pretty standard across the board in Canada now. But um, yeah, like the living wage in Alberta. Do you guys know what it is? No idea. No? Oh, yeah, it's just shy of twenty one dollars. So it's like twenty dollars yeah, and sixty something cents that per hour, forty right. hours a week. Yeah, so like roughly, okay. roughly forty one thousand dollars a year is how much it costs to live in Edmonton. Just like bare bones, we're talking that's, like yeah, no luxuries. Yeah, yeah, like no cell phone even at that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, th- this is this is the when you look at how how little people like that's 25% less. Yeah. People are being paid 25% less. So they actually are losing or sacrificing 25% of necessities or they're going into 25% more debt than they needed to because yeah. someone else is stacking that money on their labor. Hmm. Right? Well, I I also think the other side of this equation is the fact that there's just an entire group of the population that are just not tuned in you know yeah. like it's it, it, it like it's the kind of people that don't watch sports all year and then when their team their city's teams in the playoffs all of a sudden they're the hockey expert <laughs> yeah. i fucking hate that because yeah. like you'll be sitting there and I, I just tell people look i don't get into sports and you'll be like yeah me neither man Band and then it's fucking playoffs yeah. or it's the cup or it's the fucking uh you know great cup the super bowl and it's like, oh super bowl sunday yeah. it's like you've literally never talked yeah. about football all year and yeah. all of a sudden you're a fucking miami fanatic like i, I how does this how does this happen and the, the problem is that's that's human psyche but i think I ontario mean, bc and quebec were uh, all look at alberta uh albertans as like basically that when it comes to politics like well, never gave a fuck about anything until it finally <laughs> yeah. finally started to hit them and mm. then they're like wait what the fuck we're the political experts let's do all of these political attacks yeah. and the rest of the country's like look at these idiots these bandwagon politicians this like fucking you know man we exit shit it just it, it just goes to show that like we're, we're woefully not prepared for the slightest change to the status quo i mean you can look at like five situations that are all entirely possible solar flare uh, you know, uh, nuclear attack, um, you know, the, the, the solar radiation, uh, the supply chain issues continuing to a point where, you know, the food's going to be increased in price. And then finally, you know, civil war or war in general. And all these things are talked about every day on the media. And it's to a point where the Bay of Pigs, where we were literally about to send fucking launch codes and end the planet, we are closer to midnight than that situation today right now you know we're 90 seconds that was two minutes but i i'm (laughs) i'm a skeptic of a lot of things and the one of the reasons why i'm a skeptic of that particular uh way of evaluating it is that the united states has known for uh several decades now that consumerism like localized consumerism is their their only economic engine because they've outsourced all of their factories and fear stokes consumerism more than anything on the planet for sure and so they've invested heavily into fear-based campaigns quite literally terrorism is the business localized 
terrorism is the business of the United States government and most of their corporate actors when it comes to like their news it's almost exclusively fear based and all of that I think is or a good portion of it is to drive consumerism and so I think that the woefully misinformed it's because the the goal of the system is to keep them consuming to yeah. keep it's it's them fighting the the system fighting for its last uh, breaths yeah. right and so i th- it's one of the reasons why and we'll we'll touch on it a little bit on friday why i'm so resistant to labels because we need people to shed their labels and like the the pride they hold the labels um of conservative liberal uh I don't, I don't, I don't want anybody from Q to shed their labels. I want them to shed the, their lives. But uh, oh, nah. uh, if you can shed your label, oh my god, I would be shocked. But the, I've just, I've talked to enough Q people that it's just, it's shocking how ignorant they are. It's, it's just, I think they're too and far gone. And I think gone. they're oh so enlightened too. Yeah, I think they're just God's gift to the earth. They thought a guy who died <laughs> in a plane crash in 1999 was going to show up at a rally last week to endorse President Trump for 2024. John F. Kennedy Jr., they, there was almost a thousand people waiting on the grassy knoll, like waiting for him to show up. They, 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 these are the, this is a weird world. But anyways, labels. Really? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But we, I do think we need to shed our political labels because it, it will have a function of doing one, uh, two things. One, we no longer stereotype each other, which allows for us to enter into conversation. Yeah. One of the reasons why you and I could have those conversations is because you and I don't fit comfortably into those boxes. Yeah. And so we were curious where we sat, right? But I'm never curious about where a guy with a fucking cowboy boots and truck nuts on the back of his car sits. I always know where he is, right? Very, very clearly on the right. There's no question, yeah. right? And socially on the right. Like he's going he's gonna to raise his hand if his woman's out of line, right? I, I'm, oh. I'm aware of how those people act. And yeah, maybe that's a stereotype and maybe not all of them will do it, but I bet you enough of them will that there's going to be some guilt by association. Uh, But but what I'm saying is remove those obvious things and we could have that conversation. And if we could have that conversation, people can get called out, right? This pride in labels is what creates this, this label of a hero in comps is what makes them feel like everything they do is heroic by virtue of being a cop, Right. That that that's they they put a cape on every day, and therefore what they're doing is right. That's not how things are. We need to look at things more objectively, yeah. and to do that, we have to remove these labels where people have pride on some sort of stereotype. Like I think that for for the sporting side of things, because this is a huge thing that blew up the the sporting world, especially in hockey, was Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know if you guys have heard, but there yeah. uh, so. There was a huge cover-up of a sexual assault of, of a hockey player, a 20-year-old, on the Chicago Blackhawks by their trainer mm. that the general manager, head coach, and, uh, and several other management uh, professionals, including uh, uh, members of the NHL Players Association, whose entire role is to protect players, knew about and worked to cover up while Chicago was winning consecutive Stanley Cups. Yeah. Now, their assistant captain at the time had, deny- had refused to be interviewed, 
Just this last year, refused to be interviewed in the summer. He said he had nothing to offer. In most, re- he was interviewed last uh, last week and said he wished he could have done things differently, which only means that he had something to offer. But here's the kicker: he if you're an assistant captain, and every play, so we've had multiple players from the Chicago Blackhawks, Brent Sopel and others, come out and say that every player knew and was aware. If you're the assistant captain and you don't know, you are a horseshit leader. That guy, by the way, Duncan Keith, a defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers, now. Hmm. who was also an anti-vaxxer, which is why he uh, didn't show up to the first bit of training camp. So we, Is he on the list too, Trist? No, of course not. He doesn't kill anybody. Oh. You, you have to hurt people. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, like how, I like how direct that was. I wasn't even a consideration. Nope. No, no, definitely no, not. No, no. no, you have to be a horrible human being yeah. to make my list. I see. Yeah, but it's a real list. Google has it, I'm sure. So, nice. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah, the... the wh- the label of a hockey player or the label of a teammate is what prevented a lot of these people from coming forward. The label of a leader is what makes him think that what he was doing was best for the team because he was helping them win a Stanley Cup. But he didn't look out for all of his teammates because he fucked one over who got fucked over by the trainer or fucked Quite by the literally. trainer or something. Uh, I, I, he was assaulted and this, this fucking guy, like he came out publicly. It's mm. insane. And the cover-ups were, were disgusting at every level, and nobody's being held accountable. And I think a lot of that has to do with pride in labels. A good old boy. He's a good old Canadian boy. He's a hockey player. He's got integrity. He's a leader. He's a good leader, right? Once you say that, you can't, what you, you can't pull back certain things, right? And I think even, I had this conversation with my parents. My mom had said something along the lines of like, no, I think they're a good person. And I said, good people and bad people don't exist. Yeah. You are what you do. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the, the title of good person is exclusively reserved for someone who is doing good. You, if you are yeah. not actively doing good, you're not a good person, which means quite literally, Elon Musk is actively a bad person at all times. Hmm. Right? Like, well, I think that... I that mean- I, yeah, I think that I, uh, I think that you can't say he is a bad person. He is being a bad person at all times. Hmm. I think that that's how you can con- if if you remove the label and you exclusively attribute people's person uh, the people's uh, valuation to how what they actually contribute. That's the conclusion you have to come to. Well, I think that's the conclusion you come to. Well, I, I think I, that. Uh, <laughs> I think that good and bad are just arbitrary constructs that people put out, mainly as marketing, to get their own decisions made. I really don't think that good and bad really plays into a lot of discussions that it's a part of, but I definitely think there are arbitrarily good things and arbitrarily bad things. I think You mean arbitrarily, or well, you mean objectively? Oh, objectively and arbitrarily. I, I think that you could also look at What's it... What's an arbitrary bad thing? Like I just I don't understand what that means. Well, an arbitrary bad thing would be a baker making extra profit by selling day-old goods as, you know, uh, fresh. Okay. That would be an arbitrarily bad thing. It's still food. It's, he's just trying to reduce his waste. You could see that as fraud, though, which is arbitrarily bad. You know, I think that... But it's also good for the baker then, because he's reducing food waste. But then he could... But that would be... Le- so yeah, I mean it's all going to be gradient, right? That's, like, that's it, the it's thing. All, I mean, it's all on a I, gradient. I but, think but that it would be it would be better 
for him to discount it and put day old where he would still be achieving that same end goal, yeah. but he would be doing so honestly. So the consumer knew what was happening for sure. I right? mean, so I'm not saying he's day, bad. It's just, he's worse than he could be. Yeah. Right. What, but is with, that bad? Well, no, but what, but what's interesting is with Elon Musk is he, he has, he has God level money, Yeah, which means that he could do but everything. You've, you've discussed and, that, that money is mainly IOU and doesn't exist though. No, a hundred percent. But it doesn't mean that he can't click it into existence at any point in time if he yeah. wants to spend it. Right. And so that's, that's where the fact that he could solve all of these things could, could solve. Like, I mean, we, we, we discuss how Germany is taking out commercials right now about feed the Americans where he doesn't even need to solve world hunger, just serve, solve hunger in your own country, in your own country, mm. make sure the children have food. That's so, not a, and he could do it. He could do it easily. Wealth, yeah. He could do it without taking out, with, without even noticing it. It would not impact anything he does imagine, on a day-to-day level. Yeah. He could do, it would impact him zero amount, which means mm-hmm. I think he is actively making a bad decision every second of every day by not doing mm-hmm. it. Is he the worst person or is he by default a bad person? No, because at any point in time he could change his mind. Then well, he did I, a good thing. Also, you have to consider But how many kids died every time because he didn't do it? Is that now negligence on his uh, part? Because, because of his wealth? It's negligence. Well, I I don't know. If I, you have the ability to do it, so here's here's the interesting to, who's thing. Who's coming to him with those solutions though? So here, but like, here, here's who's something coming that's interesting. To him and saying, "Hey, Elon, give me this much money and I'll solve this world problem." World hunger. World like like uh, I think it was. Oh, world, I know, but he, he doesn't hunger. know how to solve it just because no, he's inherently do. wealthy. Who does? So I think it was World Vision hunger. They're doing a terrible job. Well, yeah, but they don't have any money. <laughs> they, they they're limited by their resources. Okay, but but regardless, I, I mean. Ugh. I, don't, I didn't want to get into a financial back and forth on, on billionaires <laughs> and their fucking uh, infinite wealth. No, I understand but, that they, they could absolutely help more with their money, but there's also no willingness or no one going to them saying, hey, I have all the solutions, I just need X. Because but, I think if someone did that in a public fashion, especially with a guy like Elon Musk, whose ego is humongous, not big enough did. for this planet. But like a couple of weeks ago, someone like there were, there were I can't remember what group it had come No, they out, said but they if you said you, said 10% of something of your wealth would two, solve world hunger. Yeah, and then he was like, okay, yeah. someone tell me how. No money exchanged hands. Yeah. No one gave him a good solution. But that's because you need to pay people to come up with the solution. Fair. That's the that's the missing block. He has the money to come up with it. And then again, he it would be it would be less than a fraction of a fraction of a single percentage point that he would again also not notice. Pay some dude like go to MIT and pay a single department for three months. It would cost him like a negligible amount of money compared to how much he he's worth. He would never notice it. He would be funding all of these people's future development. Mushrooms. The answer and, is yeah. mushrooms. Right. And then, so once he does that, he can go back to Mars, right? But yeah, but but at the end of the day, he could. He would he would have an answer and he could either go look I can't solve it or yeah here you go done Fair now enough. now you're a hero right yeah. and he can put on the cape but but uh, I don't know if, man he's got to have some kind of like heroic thing. like Mars is a big thing in well, my opinion I think I think the the I, th- that, I think we're woefully not advanced enough to get to Mars I think that's an efficient yet. manner not yet but I, it has to start somewhere it, well it needs to start with the base and that base is people not starving. And I agree with that. God you know? complex doesn't care about the existence; it cares only about creation. It wants it will only preserve that which it creates. So he does not give a fuck about preserving anything that he did not create. True, and that is where I come to the him being philosophically a not good person. 
But uh, but regardless, again, I don't think that's an active state. I don't think that labels help. And again, the point of my bringing that up was actually yeah. just shedding the labels to provide more freedom. It will give you a shit ton of anxiety because, like, do if if I were to ask you, like, Adam, how do you define yourself? Like, how would you if I said who is Adam? How would you? What would you say? Uh, musician's gonna be like the first thing, like yeah. music lover. Like that's kind of my whole thing. But like, who are you? See, isn't that a hard know. question? Like, because it takes so much introspection. Mm. Because you wanted to give yourself a label right away. You, you defended against opening up about your deepest feelings by giving me a label so that I could take stereotypes from it because you're more comfortable with me accepting stereotypes Ask me that than question. who you are. <laughs> who I'm are an you? asshole. I, uh, Conversation uh, over. Right? <laughs> fair enough, fair yeah, enough. I mean, I guess it, no, it depends like, really kind of what you're asking too, like at that point. like Because if you're on an island, are you a music- musician? You don't have music anymore. You always have music. Do you? Oh, yeah. I you mean, fair enough. Way. You, you, you do. You take. You could sing. You got coconuts. You fucking make. You get a track. So that would almost, that would almost say band. that, like, to the ba- base core, like, you're a creator. You're you're an artist, right? You're an engineer. There, yeah, that's exactly that's right. what I'm doing right now. I'm engineering right. this. I fucking make yeah. music. That's you're, you got. But, it. I, but I think it, it's interesting because every time we're doing it, we're giving you a new label. So we actually we're we're peeling back yeah. layers to new yeah. labels. <laughs> but somewhere along the lines, there is a base level version of you that is not a label. There is something that you can describe Mm -hmm. that is, I'm a person who, when left to my own devices, will try to create something that sounds gorgeous or or, or sounds amazing or creates awe in the eyes of, of myself and other people, right? Like... But that's no longer a label. That's a descriptor, a description that actually describes the labels you attribute to yourself, right? Mm-hmm. But so there is a lot of uncertainty in accepting a, la- a, a label-less life, right? It's a very, very uncomfortable way of being because we're always going to rely back on labels. Because yeah, because labels defend it's, you it's, with, their, it's with a quick, what they and are. And we've all been bullied, especially, For right? Sure, so it's yeah. very easy. Yeah, yeah, it's very easy. Like, one of the beauties of being, like, as a goalie in hockey, like, if if you're just normally bullied, so I don't you don't ever know what though. happens. But Hold on, hold on. Because you're saying that you need to be more secure about who you are as an individual, but you have such left-wing beliefs on how we need to help everybody. Is it, it, it's a funny way to look at it because you're, you're quick to say, I don't want to be part of a group or associated with a label, but you also want society to basically conform to a label that works for everybody, you know? And that, that, that's, I, just, I just find that a little ironic. So I don't, I don't necessarily think that I, I want everybody to accept a label. What I, what I would idealize is that if people are able to shed their left and right labels mm-hmm. and not see themselves as a stereotype yeah. and they look to who they are as, as so the way I described um, uh, Adam the there, where I said like, I am a person who, if left to my own devices will mm-hmm. create things that sound and look beautiful. Yeah. Right now. What that is, though, is not a purely selfish endeavor. Mm. They sound and look beautiful to multiple people, right? Like, left to your own devices, I genuinely think that Evan is the kind of person who will help someone shorter than them reach something at the top, uh, on the top ladder, right? I genuinely think that that's the kind of thing. So there's a... But but you will first say salesman because you're a facilitator, right? But underneath that, that's helping, right? Mm-hmm. And underneath that, that's caring. And so there's there's a certain level. And underneath that, there's a, actually there's an acceptance of the fact that you are bigger and taller and stronger than a lot of people. And you understand what it's like to have that used against you 
when you were younger. And so there's almost like a, an, uh, an important key where you feel like you need to use those tools that were used against you as a kid to help other people. And I think that when every time you peel back that layer, what comes of it is actually we realize that the labels that we've attributed to help this system are actually defined within this system. Hmm. If we only define ourselves without these labels, we realize that what we end up being are people who want to help other people just within the confines of our own skill set. Yeah. We don't want to stretch outside of those skill sets. So Adam wants to help people, but he ideally wants to do it with music, creativity, art. You want to help people. Ideally, you get to do it with talking and and kind of like storytelling, right? And then there's people who want to help people uh, in in the in in like an actor, for example, and they want to get them to understand a very complex complex issue and by simplifying it onto the screen right but mm-hmm. the, these are all things that the current system of capitalism weaponizes and then by putting a label on someone it actually prevents them from maneuvering and using their skills to the maximum benefit of everybody they end up using their skills within isolation so there's a guy on tiktok who is a um uh a biologist and uh or sorry no yeah he's uh he's an engineer i don't know why the fuck i came up with biologist um he's an engineer and uh, and he does uh technology engineering and what he said is that he went on tiktok basically to find other people who are engineers and creators and artistic types because he's sick and tired of designing things that benefit the system he wants to only do things that benefit people so mm. he needs the problems so that he can come with the solutions because the, right now the only people generating problems for him to uh, solve are the system it's the corporations. So he need, he wants to know the people's problems so he can connect it. And that's the thing that I think is the divide. When we re- remove these labels, they can't be used against us anymore. Yeah. Right? So that's I get that point. there's like there's likely like a little bit of there's going to be a middle zone where if we lose the labels, we're going to be very open to uh like cuz we'll be fragile, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so we can be manipulated. So we just we have to double down on helping one another and that's where that that society of if we're going to shred these labels, you have to you have to be very comfortable with not attributing labels to other people, right? Which is what we see a lot of people like when when people are going out there like, oh, you're a fucking Biden lover. Oh, you fucking Trump supporter. Oh, you fucking like, I'm not going to like, you know, the, the gay slurs or this, that like, oh, you fucking, <sighs> oh, he's trans this or whatever, right? Like we want to attribute a label onto yeah. someone. We have to remove that and define people by their contributions. Right? I think that... In a lot of ways, though, we only really see our contributions as what brings monetary value, and that's the other half. And of then that ask equations. your friends to define your contributions. That's for exactly you it. I mean, I didn't let either of you guys define yourselves because that's not fair. Because you don't know how other people value you. Yeah, right. No, that's true. But I can tell you pretty close, like pretty like openly, how I value you guys, which makes it a lot easier for you to then understand how you can be seen in the world, right? Not just how by, how you're seen by your boss who is, yeah. who is using you as a tool, but by people who actually want to be around you, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, that's the more unique aspect, I think. Yeah, you know, I think uh, a storyteller is a very interesting uh, uh, thing, you know? It kind of makes me smile. Uh, I, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I know no, that that's what you uh, like to do. Well, I mean, it's... it's it's how I've learned the best way to, you know, connect with people is through story. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's it's a talent for sure. I mean, it's it's something I learned to do. I wasn't always 
an extrovert like this. I like Star Wars and I was picked on uh, quite ruthlessly at a young age. And, you know, we've kind of talked about that. But at the end of the day, it's it's really just uh, it it was that getting out of my shell uh, and then pushing myself to do something I didn't like and then learning that I actually loved it. You know, that was that was the coolest thing. And that's why I literally uh, find myself in the car business and find myself doing the things that I do. Because I, I actually do like working with people, and you know, it, whether it's helping or not, for sure, it's it's a matter of who's it who's it helping sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, I, I see you as someone who's uh, very uh, intellectually uh, switched on, and uh, someone that's a, a lifetime scholar. I think you know. I think it's a very um, rare thing in human society to have somebody. Uh, that's constantly wanting to learn. Generally, most people get to a certain age or a certain point in their life where they feel like they've learned enough, and that's good. And that's where I think a lot of labels come from is the fact yeah. that you want to stop. Yeah. The fact that you can't think you can stop learning and accepting and understanding because the human situation changes as much as the technological one, sometimes faster too. Yeah. And I think what we're uncomfortable with now in this modern society is the fact that human existence is changing faster than the technological existences are. And the technological advancements are happening so rapid too. Uh, We went from a generation ago, you could literally um, just tear someone apart for having a certain sexual preference. It was literally illegal. Like the guy that solved the Enigma machine in the Second World War got chemically castrated by the country he saved because he was homosexual. And that was... 70 years ago, yep. not a long time ago. And now we're moving to a point where you're absolutely right. Labels are the thing that are, is going to hold us back. I just think that it's, it's, it's kind of funny that you think that you need to look at yourself more individually and understand what it is that you like and you want to do and don't just call yourself by your job and what makes you money in your labor. What makes you you? How do you want to be in the system? And it, it, it's it, this is just that de- that 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 ideological difference. I, I'd rather use that talent and that skill to appeal to people's reason to make profit to make money, and you'd rather use that to help more people. Yeah. And I think that you could absolutely marry both ideas, but the fact of the matter is, we're both here and here. There's people that are further here, up here, down here, all around. Yeah. Right. And the minute you start taking labels away. Where's the direction? Well, I think that the nice thing is that once you reduce the labels, so what, so we like the first step is remove the label. The second step is replace it with a description of your value in the eyes of someone that cares about you, someone that actually values you, right? So then what we're getting is an accurate valuation of an individual. Yeah. So how would we accurately evaluate individuals that? have celebrity status or political status or or what have you right mm-hmm. and i think that what we would find is that most of these people would be evaluated quite low right they they would not be seen as people who benefit people at large over themselves yeah and that a lot of the the like the especially i think public servants more than anyone 
who who put this label of public servant and they don't serve the public, yeah. right? Or taxpayer-funded police who do not help taxpayers. They help corporations who quite literally work to pay fewer taxes, right? And lawyers who say that they're they're upholding the, the legal system of the, the people of Canada, but it's a pay-to-play system that only a handful of Canadians can actually afford to play in. Mm-hmm. So what, what you're actually doing is upholding a corporate system. I think that... By removing the labels, it allows a more honest discussion about what's actually going on and what's actually being evaluated and what's actually being valued because it's too much marketing. There's too much fluffy language. There's too much bullshit. And we all define words differently. And so we we keep talking past each other. Mm -hmm. And I'm like communist this and and fucking uh, fascist that. And it's just... It's nice that people are learning about language and the history of language. I'm not going to deny that I'm enjoying that people are learning. I always, like you said, I am a lifelong learner, and I do appreciate that That that's how you see me. I, I, I do see myself very similar to that. Um, but I think that... I think that once you remove the label and you have the ability to have an honest conversation, what happens is is that dishonesty becomes a lot more obvious. And dishonesty is something that we all teach our kids about. We're all taught to not want to uphold, right? Like if if you're born in a red state in the U.S., but you're going to church every day, and you're not going to like a Southern Baptist, but you're going to like a, you know, a normal uh, uh, Protestant church. <laughs> Southern Baptist isn't normal? Well, like, no, wait, wait, sorry, I was thinking Westboro, Westboro Baptist, not Southern Baptist, my bad. Uh, I was thinking Westboro Baptist, the hardcore no, God hates fegs one. Yeah, oh, yeah. sorry, but, uh, and I hate saying the word, but it, it, yeah, that's their slogan. But, um, but yeah, if you're if you're going to like, you know, a a regular non-extremist church down there, the values you're being taught as a child are, you know, lift and care about the homeless, care about the hungry, uh help your fellow brother, help your fellow sister, your your fellow sister, um lift people up, don't judge people, turn the other cheek. Like basically Jesus's teachings were quite good, right? And and yet the actions of the parents of almost every single person brought up in these states flies in the face of that ever since 2016 right mm-hmm. and so we it's this label that they still have that denies them the ability to grow beyond it and so there's a lot of people who understand this hypocrisy there's a lot of people that are our age or our generation or even a little bit older that have seen their parents devolve into these hateful bigots in the last five years just like so obviously they went from the family values party to quite literally the polar opposite a full 180 and it didn't take more than 24 months mm-hmm. right and and it ended up being the the groups that were saying we need to protect children they were anti-abortion for under the guise of saving children they were uh, they were they were always trying to help kids abroad that was always their goal and now they were making excuses for keeping them in cages because their their hero was the one doing it but it was all because of the labels that we attribute to them so the profiting on it, I get it. I get the va- the desire to do pro- get profit from it, but I think that we have to move beyond that. Um, yeah, I, I think I completely agree. I mean, profitability can't be the uh, the arbiter that you build your business around. I mean, it can be the arbiter to bring your business up, but once you get to a certain point, you have to look around and say, okay, well, what's uh, what's going to be sustainable about a system where we don't manufacture anything here? All well, the jobs yeah. are uh, elsewhere. Where, how are we going to support the purchase of this good when no one's working 
Well, that's kind of like what we you talked know? about, where <laughs> if we all pull out and we we basically move towards, so we discussed this on Friday more in more depth, but yeah. we move towards nationalizing certain necessities, we don't have to worry so much about that. No, absolutely. Right? Um, you know, I think that's uh, that's good for a Wednesday, Wednesday special yeah, there. I mean, one. I think that uh, if you were uh, at least worried about what's happening here, uh, there's a lot of great videos you can watch on kind of what to prep. I mean, the big thing I want to caution you away from is don't subscribe to some bullshit shipping service. Don't buy the overpriced freeze-dried food. Uh, you, can get, you can get scammed into a lot because they're, they're selling to literally your base emotion of also, fear. learn about best so, before dates yeah. and learn about expiration dates. There best are, before is a flavor-based profile. It has yeah. nothing to do with the food going bad. Yeah. It's where the company says that this is the optimal flavor point. Yeah, That's nothing. There's, <laughs> uh, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of really cheap things that you can have on hand that won't break the bank yeah. uh you know like uh you know uh, freeze-dried beans for example beans always good to have uh, rice pasta. always good to have canned tomato sauce things like, things like this things you know you, you pick up another few bags next time you're shopping it's not going to really impact the entire system and create shortages but you know uh, a, a little bit of pasta a little bit of beans give uh, yourself some, that two weeks if you can yeah, draw it out 14 exactly. days of meals and yeah. you've got it in your household then you're 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 in a comfortable position. Absolutely. But but be able to do that. And yeah. if you can't do that, there's no shame in looking at the food bank. And if you can do it and you can even go beyond that, then there's no there's there's no reason not to give a few bucks to the food bank to help For someone sure. who can't. The 20, other thing 20%, guys, that's a lot. The other thing that uh, will kind of help you exponentially is learn some life skills. Learn how to read a compass, learn how to do first aid, learn how to do CPR, Basic learn cooking. how to cut hair, learn how to plant vegetables, you know. Yeah. These are all things that you will think is completely useless information until you need to know it and you have no access on how to do it. Yeah. So if you learn it now, that could save your life. Yeah, I mean cooking, cooking's a huge skill. So you learn to cook now, and uh, there's watch no, Gordon no Ramsay. He no. does cooking videos by the fire. Eat that delicious food when the world's going to shit. <laughs> and we'll see you Friday. Woo!